welcome to another episode of Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I'm the host of the podcast, and this is part three of the three-part series that I'm doing in which I'm responding to an article that circulated really last year, more so called 15 Reasons People Are Disillusioned with the Church. I'm titling these episodes, Why Are People Leaving the Church? Just not to have the same title that he had. Um, But I'm responding to this article to, yes, deal with the issues that he brings up, but also to primarily, hopefully give you an example of how to think critically and biblically about some of these things. And I'll give the disclaimer again. Let me say this. If you have not listened to episodes one and two of the series, stop this episode and go and listen to those. Um, There are things that I've said that I may not repeat that are important for you to understand before I get into some of these tough things that we're going to talk about. Um, But also, I think you should listen to these episodes in order as he deals with these points. So um, let me say this. I'm not going to say everything I want to say to some of these points. I don't have enough time. Um, but the reality is he takes one or two sentences on each point and, and makes these blanket statements. And I just, I want to question them. I'm, I'm not necessarily providing an overall response or a, a full response to every one of his points. I want to question some of the assumptions that he makes. I want to get us to say, wait a minute, he's making this claim that people are leaving the church because of this, but is this really true? Um, is this really a problem within the church? I want to, I want to bring up those questions and, and again, cause us to, to weigh what he's saying against the truth of the scripture and the reality of what we're actually seeing in the church. So um, that's, that's my goal here. I'm not taking these issues to be controversial. Um, and, and the reality is some of what we're going to talk about is controversial. And so my hope is that this drives you to a conversation. If you know me personally, especially that you would reach out. And I believe, I think everybody who listens to this probably does know me personally, um, because I don't have a huge audience. That's, that's not the point here. Um, but I, I would hope that if, if you're listening to this and you know me, and you're offended or bothered by something that I've said or think that I'm wrong, um, let's talk about it. I, please, I, I, mean, I mean that sincerely. My hope is that this leads to deeper conversations about some of these things, because even though I disagree with his approach and some of the assumptions he makes, I think everything he brings up is an issue that we do need to deal with in the church. I just don't think that or I just don't agree with his conclusions about all of it. So um, that's the reality here. I think all 15 of these are important issues and we need to deal with them. So I, I would hope that this drives to further conversation about what's biblical and what's true here. So let's dive into it. This is gonna be the final five points. So we're gonna start with, in this episode, we're gonna start with point number 11. He says, we've been inconsistent with our pro-life message. We're pro-birth and anti-abortion, but also okay with the death penalty. We ignore gun violence and don't seem to care about the economic conditions of those who often seek abortive measures. Okay, this is a claim that is often thrown at those who are pro-life, right? That you you say that you're pro-life because you're against abortion, but you don't care about any of these other issues that are also pro-life. And often that's just not true. Um, Often it is those in the culture that are just angry that we are we are calling out the sin of abortion, and so they want to throw something at us and say, well, you can't be against abortion if you don't adopt 30 kids of your own, and you can't be against abortion if you're not also in the street speaking out against gun violence and all these things. Which, by the way, let me address that point specifically. He says we ignore gun violence. I mean, who does that? Do, do we really ignore it? I mean, certainly not all of us are activists against gun violence, okay? But to say that you can't call out abortion if you're not also in the streets calling out gun violence is just not true. 
I mean, that that's just not true. And furthermore, gun violence is a problem. I'm not diminishing that. But abortion is a bigger one. Far more people are being murdered through abortion than through guns on the streets. And I don't think that we're ignoring gun violence. I just think that many of us have differing opinions on how we should actually deal with that. We all want it to stop. All of us want to get rid of gun violence too. We, 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 we speak out against that as well. But the reality is abortion is, in terms of statistics and sheer number and volume, it is a bigger problem. And so that could be partly why more people are speaking out against it. But the reality also is that we're not ignoring gun violence. I just don't think that that's true. He also says, you know, we're, we're anti-abortion, but we're okay with the death penalty. And um, I know this is going to probably not sit well with some people who hear this. And again, I'm not saying this to be offensive. We can talk so much further about this because this is going to be brief. Um, the Bible is pro-death penalty too. Not only in the Old Testament law, um, but also in the New Testament. Specifically in the book of Romans is one place that comes to mind. Romans 13, where Paul says, look, the, the government bears the sword and they've been given that authority by God. And he is, he's talking about their, their authority to punish those who do evil and it extends all the way to the death penalty, okay? So the Bible is pro-death penalty as well. So let's just throw that out there. Um, and then he says, we don't seem to care about the economic conditions of those who often seek abortive measures. And that phrase is bothersome to me, by the way, abortive measures. Um, that <laughs> There's no like measure here. You, you either have an abortion or you don't. And um, we believe that abortion is murder. Um, and I know that that's, that sounds harsh to say because it's something that's been so widely accepted in our society, but that you can't get around that truth scripturally. Abortion is murder. And we do care about the economic conditions of those who are seeking abortion, okay? Again, there are, in all of these things, sure, there are exceptions. There are evil, wicked people who claim the name of Christ, who simply are on a tirade against everybody that they disagree with, and they're not willing to love on these people, okay? Those people exist. But the church as a whole, I believe, the true church, true Christians, true pastors and leaders within the church do care about these women and men who are seeking abortions. We do care about them. We care about them enough to say, wait a minute, this decision that you're about to make is sin, it's murder. I don't want you to do that. This is not the answer to your problems because seeking this abortion isn't what's gonna fix the thing that you're going through either. What I want you to know is I want you to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and know Jesus. I wanna love you. Yes, I do want to help you. I wanna find a way to, to care for you as well. But, but to say that if we're not personally financially taking care of every single person that seeks an abortion, then we can't speak out against abortion is just wrong. Now, let me, let me say this, and this will be the last thing that I talk about on this point. I believe that the church should be on the front lines of the pro-life movement. And, and I'm talking in terms of not only calling out abortion, but I'm talking about taking care of the women and men who are seeking it. I'm talking about taking care of the babies that are born as a result of us fighting against abortion. All throughout history, the church has been in the front lines of these things. It was Christians who in Rome went and got those babies that were abandoned by their parents because they didn't want them. And the Christians took them into their homes and raised them. It, it's Christians who started orphanages and hospitals. It's Christians who started things like hospice care. So the church has been in the front lines of this for a long time and we need to, we need to get back to that in many ways. I agree with that. We need to not just speak out against abortion, but we need to be willing to get in the pit with these people and love on them well. Love them enough to call them out in their sin and to point them to Christ and to seek to relieve some of the suffering that they may be going through. All of that is true. But I don't agree with the conclusion that says, look, 
people are leaving the church because you know we speak out against abortion, but we don't care about any of this other stuff. That we do care about this other stuff. We're not handling it in the way that society wants us to handle it often, but we do care about this other stuff. And and it's not true that you you can't be allowed to speak out against abortion if you're not also actively involved in every one of these other areas that we think relate to pro-life. That's just that's just not true. Um, let's be well-rounded. Let's be on the front lines of all of these things. Let's be better about caring for these people 100%. I'm with you on that message. Um, but let's not suggest that the church should get a little quieter on abortion until we've resolved all these other issues. Uh, I think that's problematic. I think that would be sinful on our part. Um, okay, number 12. We've embraced conspiracy theories. A thousand little lies about some supposed satanic agenda behind everything we don't understand. Um, yeah, uh, listen, <laughs> the reality is there are people out there who claim to be Christians, some who don't claim to be Christians, who believe conspiracy theories, who just buy into everything that they read on Facebook and the internet, and um, they, they claim they've done their research, but they're believing just this ridiculous stuff. Those people exist, and unfortunately, sometimes they're the loudest people in social circles, and it's unfortunate. Um, but again, what a blanket statement. I mean, we've embraced conspiracy theories. What conspiracy theories are you talking about? Which ones have the church embraced, okay? There may be people within churches who call, who call themselves Christians who have embraced some of these things, but what, what churches as a whole are embracing some of these things? Sure, there are some. I'm not saying there are none, but as a whole, I, I don't think true churches are doing this. Okay, now on the other side of this, the problem that often happens too is that people are told they're conspiracy theorists if they're just genuinely seeking the truth. When we don't just accept the overall narrative of our day and time, we're often told that we're just behind the times, we're conspiracy theorists, when all that we're trying to do is seek the truth. When all that we're trying to do is say, I'm not just gonna believe everything that I'm told just because the majority of people are, are saying it. I wanna know what's true. And if what the majority of people are saying is true, then great, I'm gonna go with that. But if it's not true, then I'm gonna speak against that. And I'm gonna be willing to call that out. So uh, it's a two-sided thing there. There are people who do this and they need to be called out in our churches. Um, we need to make sure that that we, we don't go that route of just believing every conspiracy theory out there, but we do need to seek the truth. And we don't just accept the overall conversation of our society. Uh, we need to seek what is true and right in all things. Number 13, we've allowed spiritual and sexual abuse to often go unaccounted for. Um, I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna read the rest of his point. Let me say this. Um, I actually plan on addressing the issue of spiritual abuse in a, in a later episode. So uh, I'll be shorter there and I'll mainly address sexual abuse in this episode because later on I'm gonna talk about spiritual abuse. I'll just say um, spiritual and sexual abuse unfortunately does run through the church. And the reality is, it, it is often a problem that is not addressed or not addressed correctly, and that is a travesty. I'm, I'm gonna be in agreement here to a degree. Um, and he goes on though, he kind of defines what he means here. He says, we, we're handling abuse issues in-house as sin problems rather than calling the police first and believing and supporting the victims first. Okay, we absolutely have a duty and a responsibility to call the proper authorities when these things come to light, okay? Even before we have all the facts, even before we know everything, we absolutely, and we should not, we should not value uh, our church's quote unquote reputation over seeking the truth in these issues. Um, and we should be willing to let things absolutely blow up for the purpose of seeking the truth when it comes to issues as serious as these. 
However, I am taking a little bit of issue here when he says, um, rather than believing and supporting victims first. Here's what I wanna say, I wanna, I wanna make a distinction here. Um, when there's truth, we believe it, okay? And when, when somebody claims to be a victim of spiritual or sexual abuse, we always take their claim seriously. But I do not believe that the scriptural principle is, believe them, they're right, assume that they're right. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that that is the scriptural principle. We don't assume they're a liar either, okay? That's also wrong. We take their claim seriously, and we say, to, I'm, I'm going to take this claim seriously, and I'm going to also bring in the other party, and we're gonna talk about this. I'm gonna call, call the authorities. We're gonna have the proper authorities deal with the situation, and we as a church are gonna take the spiritual aspect of this seriously as well, and we're gonna care for you as well as we can, and when, when the truth comes to light, we're gonna handle it in as biblical a way as possible. We are going to support you. We will believe you when we find out the facts of the situation. Um, and, and this is not to say, oh, we just, we don't believe any victims and they're always liars. No, we don't, we don't take that approach. We take every claim seriously. Um, I believe this, this idea of believing and supporting victims first has led to false accusations being allowed to run rampant because that happens too. False accusations are a thing, by the way. Um, we don't assume it's a false accusation either though. That's an important distinction. We take it seriously. We address it. We call the authorities. We address the sin within the spiritual authority of the church. We don't try to take more authority than we've been given as church leaders, and we love everybody involved as best we can, and we call out evil, and we, and we seek to handle these matters biblically. Um, so I do believe that the church can be a lot better in these issues, and I, I, I would say that um, there, I would agree that there are many people who have left churches over the fact that churches often brush these things under the rug, they allow, Pastors allow their, their pursuit of power to get in the way of their pursuit of the truth. And again, uh, specifically when it comes to spiritual abuse, I'm gonna talk about that in a further episode. Um, but th this is absolutely an issue. I don't necessarily agree with all of his premise and conclusions here, but I, but I am gonna give him a lot here to say that this this is a problem that we, we need to do better on. Um, but let's not handle it the way that our culture wants us to handle it. Let's handle it biblically. Let's pursue the truth in all things, and let's call out evil where it needs to be called out. Um, okay, number 14. We've singled out certain people groups, LGBTQ plus people, undocumented immigrants, etc. Um, which by the way, wow, um, to lump those two groups of people in the same point is just a lot. <laughs> and, and there's so much nuance here that's not even being brought up. He's, he's, he's lumping these two categories in the same thing, and they're just not necessarily... But he says, we've singled out certain people groups. And, and let me say this, I'm sorry, one more pause. Um, I'm not necessarily going to address LGBTQ plus in this point, a little bit. I'm not necessarily gonna address undocumented immigrants in this point. That's not his point necessarily. Um, and it's not gonna be what I focus on because he's saying, look, we're singling out certain people groups, right? For exclusion, for judgment, for rejection, instead of welcoming and including everyone who wants to follow Jesus. Um, there's a problem here because I do think there's a little bit of him saying, look, no matter who you are, or where you come from, we don't care about any of the sin in your life. We just want you to follow Jesus. We do need to care about the sin in their life. Um, and we'll get into a little bit of this in point number 15 in a moment. So, so I will talk more about it, but we, we need to love people enough to call out their sin. And, and not just to leave them in their sin, no. We don't just call out their sin in a judgmental, casting judgment type of way, but we judge rightly. 
and we call out sin so that we can lead people to love and follow after Jesus. Yes, everybody wants to follow Jesus. I'm all for it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. You want to follow Jesus? Let's do it. But you know what Jesus said? When they do that, when you're making disciples of them, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So if they're in sin, you call it out. And, and, and you lead them to repentance, which leads to life. Because if you don't call out their sin, they're gonna stay in their sin. And, and we don't want that for anybody. That, that's not love, okay? And he says, look, we're, we're singling out these people groups. Um, the reality is there are some issues in our culture that need to be called out. And people are gonna feel singled out when their sin is called out. We all feel that way. If the pastor's preaching a sermon and he's talking about the sin in my life, um, I feel singled out, even though he may not be trying to do that, okay? So there's an aspect of that here. We're not singling them out for exclusion and judgment and rejection. We wanna call out people's sin so that we can call them to repentance. The purpose of talking about sin is so that we can talk about the salvation and life that we have in Jesus. And I want everybody to know the freedom of the truth. I want everybody to know that they can come and follow Jesus, but Jesus is gonna deal with the sin in their life. He's gonna forgive them, he's gonna restore them, and he's gonna set them free from it. I want everybody to know that message. Um, and, and yes, there are, so let me use an extreme example here. Westboro Baptist, okay, they do things like this, where they're not, they're not a true church. They, they have all of these derogatory signs and the only issues they do seem to care about are things like LGBTQ plus people and they cast unbiblical judgment on people and they don't love the way that Christ has loved and that should be called out as well. We should call out when people do that but it's not unloving of us to call out sin. A matter of fact, if we do it in a biblical way, if we speak the truth in love, it is loving to call out sin and that leads us into point number 15 the last one, where he says, we've become self-appointed judges to the neglect of love. Seeing ourselves as having the moral high ground and using it as a gavel to sentence those we perceive as morally inferior. Um, man, this plays into all the points a little bit here. I mean, it's, it's kind of what, it's kind of his last point, I think, intentionally, because he's saying, look, in all of these issues, you know, all what we're doing as a church is we're, we think we have the moral high ground because we don't live like some of these other people live and we're just being judgmental. Um, we're not self-appointed judges, okay? We have the judge of the universe will judge rightly. God is the only true judge of the universe. However, we are called to exercise right judgment as believers. That famous passage where Jesus says, you know, take the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, that's often brought up. Yeah, but, but Jesus didn't say, take the log out of your eye and then ignore the speck in your brother's eye. No, he said, take the log out of your eye so that you can see clearly to judge rightly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we're not self-appointed judges. We are to, we are to judge rightly, not cast judgment. There's a distinction. Casting judgment is only for God to do on the last day, okay? But, but to judge rightly is a biblical principle. We don't, and I, and I don't see myself as having the moral high ground when I look at somebody and say, you got sin in your life, because I recognize I'm just as much of a sinner as they are. I'm more messed up than they know me to be. And when I, when I talk about the sin in other people's lives, that's not me saying I'm better and y'all need to get on my level. That's me saying I want us all to call out the sin in all of our lives. I want us to be willing to talk about sin so that we can, we can repent of it and find forgiveness and life in the name of Jesus. Um, and I think that this accusation is often thrown at churches who wanna talk about sin. Um, when pastors from the pulpits preach, preach on sin, they're often called judgmental, they're often called prideful and bigoted when all that we're doing is simply trying to call out what God hates 
and that's sin. Um, I think that the Old Testament prophets, the apostles, all of these people in Scripture who preached on these things would be called bigoted today, just as we are, um, for, for being willing to talk about sin. Now, absolutely, you can go the other direction. So far, again, there are extreme cases of this. When all we do is we call out sin, and we are prideful in it, there are cases of that, and that should be called out. That's evil and wicked, too. But we, we can't say that, you know what, because we're all sinners, I, I'm not gonna talk about your sin. You know, we, we, we all got problems, so let's not talk about sin. Let's just talk about the solution. Um, you don't know you need the solution in salvation if you don't know the problem in your sin. And so let's talk about all of it. Let's be well-rounded in our approach of that. All right, that is all 15 of the points. So I'm gonna conclude by reading his conclusion and uh, making a few final points, and we'll be done with this three-part series. He says, and he, he wrote this back in the beginning of 2021, I believe, and so he was mainly referencing 2020 context here. He says, it's been a year of pain. We need a reformation. Not so much of doctrine, but of emphasis. Um, right doctrine will lead us to right emphasis, by the way, okay? And because he goes on, he says, the emphasis needs to be placed squarely on our calling to love God and all people. Yes, love God and love people. And all, because all the law and prophets are contained in those two statements. That doesn't mean throw out all the law and the prophets. It means, it means all the law and the prophets are condensed in these two statements. You want to know how to love God and love people? Go to God's law. Go to his word. Find out how he tells us to love people, right? And when you're doing that, you know what you're doing? You're exercising sound doctrine. <laughs> um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun and, and, you know, belittle his point here. But I think that's often the problem. People say, we don't need more doctrine. We just need to love people. Okay, you don't know how to love people if you don't have sound doctrine. I'm just going to say it. Because you, you can't know how to love if you don't know who God is, if you don't know the character of God. We love because he first loved us. And when he loves us, he gives us his spirit. And it's his spirit that leads us into all truth, reminds us of the things that he said, shows us how to love as Christ has loved us. Okay, so... Let's be sure here that to get the right emphasis on love, we do need sound doctrine. He goes on, he says, yes, we need solutions. I wanna talk more about the solutions and the problems, but we're in such denial that it's hard to get there. So he kinda, he kinda tells us why he's just you know, laid out all these problems, because he's like, look, we're in denial of these problems. And again, I've, I've questioned the fact of if, if some of these things are actually real problems the way that he's described them, and that's, that's what I've done this whole, this whole series. And he says, if you've been delusioned with the church, I hear you, I understand, I get it. Um, and here's a tactic that's, that's often used. I don't, tactic's a strong word. This, this is what pastors I've heard often say, you know, if you've been hurt by the church, I, I get it, I understand. No, you don't. You don't know every situation that's in that crowd. You don't know how the church has hurt them. Maybe, maybe they're hurt by the church because the church has said that salvation is only found in Jesus and they, and they want their other religion too. Are you gonna look at that person and go, you know what, it's okay, it's not a big deal, I understand, I don't, I don't wanna hurt you in that way anymore. No, 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 there are real, there's a fence in the gospel, okay? And people get offended, people get disillusioned by the gospel if you wanna use that terminology. Okay, so let's not make a blanket statement. If you've been hurt by the church, you know, the, the church was wrong. Maybe the church was right in how they dealt with it and they got hurt because it was the gospel that offended them. Now, again, let me give the other side of this, there are people who have been hurt by the church because the church was sinful in their approach and that needs to be called out and we do need to look at those people and say, I get it, I understand. We need to look at those people and say, I'm sorry that you were hurt in that way. That was sinful and I wanna call that out. 
Okay, but let's not just give this blanket statement and say that everybody who's been hurt by the church is right and the church obviously was wrong because the church hurt them. They might have been offended by the gospel. Um, and I'm not saying that doesn't matter that they were hurt by the gospel. No, let's, let's still chase after them. We don't, we don't cast them aside. We continue to love them. We continue to love them by sharing the truth with them, the truth in love. And then he, his final statement is, but remember, I still follow Jesus because I believe he was raised from the dead and enthroned as king of an entirely otherworldly heavenly kingdom where love really does reign. His way is worthy of following. Um, you know, and he says that in such a way that you can't go, well, I disagree with you on that. And, you know, I've, I, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's enthroned as king of an entirely otherworldly, excuse me, I'm speaking too fast here. He is king of an entirely otherworldly heavenly kingdom. That statement though, where love really does reign. I want to I want to give a distinguish a distinguishment here. Jesus reigns, God reigns, and he is love, but he's also holiness. He's also justice. He is truth. His way is worthy of following, but let's talk about what his way actually is. Let's not let the world define what the way of Jesus is supposed to look like. Let us define what the way of Jesus is supposed to look like. And that that's my final point because I think out of all of the issues that I've taken with this article, the overarching one is that I believe what this, this guy has done is he has allowed the culture to tell him what the church should care about. The culture is telling him where the church is getting it wrong and what the church should care about when we're the, the, the Bible is supposed to define that for us. And when the church has problems, we call them out. The church is not perfect, okay? But the church is the bride of Christ. And we should seek to love the church and love the church enough to lead the church to truth, to lead the church to reformation where it's needed, always reforming, always always calling out sin in the church and seeking to purify and make the church holy, always wanting to do that, but not letting the culture tell us how to do that and when to do that, instead allowing the scripture to dictate that for us. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, I, again, I, I hope that I've not just offended everybody. That's not been my goal. But if, but if you've been offended, um, don't just sit in that. Reach out. I've said that enough. I don't want to belabor that point. I hope that you do that. I hope that you're willing to do that. Um, if this has been helpful to you, I'd love to hear that. I mean, I, I want to know that the content that I'm putting out actually matters to the people that are listening to it and that it's actually helpful. Um, so it, it's always encouraging when you give feedback, whether it's good or bad. Um, I, 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 want to, I want to be willing to have the conversations about these things. So thanks as always for listening. That has been the that has been a three-part series. This is a conclusion of it. And so Lord willing, next week I'll be back with a new topic and a new episode. I'm probably going to start actually diving into some of the topics that were addressed in this article. I'll do that periodically throughout this year, maybe even into next, Lord willing. Uh, but thanks for, for being a listener. Hope that you'll be back next week for another episode.